and welcome back to another wild wednesday my team what is going on guys um what an awesome episode that was sunday by the way got to see the entire spell used called sectum sempra um that harry conjured that really cut up malfoy uh he was laying in the bathroom remember snape had to revive him there um you know harry had to run back with the book and come back and what an intense episode that was to end on Sunday. And this coming Sunday, man, we really are reaching the climax of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince here. But my name is Chase once again, guys. I am your host, uh, Chase from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Uh, today we are going to be covering chapters uh, 19 through 24 for interesting facts and really diving into these charms and spells that were mentioned in the last episode we had at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy on Sunday. So um, the first one here, so Mufliato. So the Mufliato charm, it was mentioned on page 419. If you want to look that up in your book, it says, Harry pointed his wand hastily to the door of Madame Pomfrey's office and muttered, Mufliato. So the Mufliato charm. So it was a charm used to, to fill the ears of any person in the vicinity that a caster was unidentifiable. The buzzing sound also allowed conversation to be overheard at um, normal levels. Um, it is unknown exactly what time it wasn't invented. Um, known practitioners of this spell are Phileas Flitwick, Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, and Severus Snape. Of course, uh, Harry Potter and Hermione Granger use it later on. Um, so the second one here, so toffee eclairs. So that was on page 426. Remember it says, Harry headed to Dumbledore's office. The gargoyle leapt aside at the mention of toffee eclairs. So <laughs> toffee eclairs, what those are, is they are small wrapped toffee sweets with the chocolate center. And of course, also it was the password to Dumbledore's office in 1996. And um, don't worry, I tried to look up a recipe for this. Um, toffee eclairs, there was not really a recipe on it, but don't worry. Uh, I got you guys covered for the cookbook kind of section of our episode today. You know, I never want to leave you guys uh, leave you guys hanging on those. So I got you, got you guys covered on those. I know it's been a minute since we've done like a cookbook kind of section. So if you go to page 447, so... Uh, Sectum Sempra. This is when the first time we actually talk about it. And this was really one of our huge sections on Sunday. So just scroll into the page here real quick. So on page 447 of your book, it says, uh, So Harry ignored her. He had just found an incantation, Sectum Sempra, scrawled in a margin above the intriguing words, Four enemies and watching itching to try it out but thought it best not in front of Hermione instead he surreptitiously folded down the corner of the page and that's the first time it's mentioned uh, so sectum sempra as you saw it used on Sunday with Malfoy so what it is is it's a curse that lacerates the target and causes severe hemorrhaging um, it was created with the intention of using it against enemies and it also is recorded in the new potion book. The curse does follow the caster's wand movements. So wherever the lashing goes, 
goes based on the movements of the user's wand and points in that direction, just like you're aiming it. It can either hit mass areas or can hit an individual target when struck with the curse um, and will openly lacerate the target. Um, it's also said that can be used to inflict damage on Inferi, but it is pointless to use on Inferi because they have no sensation and do not need blood to survive, which we'll talk more about that actually on Sunday, and you'll see how that winds up getting used. Um, the counter treatment for this curse, uh, so you saw Snape was reviving Draco. Uh, the counter treatment, so it heals the minor wounds inflicted by the spell. Um, it can be cured uh, with a song-like incantation, and that's the song-like incantation, Volnira Sanator, which you heard, if you watch the film, you'll see Snape actually says that over and over, Volnira Sanator, and it's in a song-like motion. First lyric eases the blood flow. The second lyric causes wounds to knit up and then the third actually mends the effects of the curse um, and and stops the effects from spreading of the curse causing more lacerations uh, so that's why you saw snape on sunday had to go over malfoy three different times um, the victim would still require medical treatment it says and if dittany is applied immediately scarring can still be avoided though um affirmation healing spell heal the wounds uh in the essence of dittany may prevent scars any body parts that have been severed by this curse cannot be grown back though um and a trait this is also a trait of dark magic and has permanent effects um so if we go to actually um here's a, a quote here and it says blood splurted from Malfoy's face chest as though he had been slashed by an invisible sword. He staggered backward and collapsed onto the waterlogged floor. With a great splash, his wand falling from his limp right hand, slippering, slipping and staggering. Harry got to his feet and plunged toward Malfoy, whose face was now shining scarlet, his white hands scrabbing scrabbling at his blood-soaked chest and that was in harry potter and the half-blood prince we actually mentioned that part on sunday actually if you even go to our instagram page you can see a little clip there of where i actually read that section so you can pull that up in your book um but volnira sanator uh it like i said it slows blood flow clears residue and its wounds for the maximum effect of this spell the incantation had to be repeated three times. Like I said, first it slowed that blood flow, and then second to prevent death by exsanguation, um, and then it cleared residue that began to heal the wounds, which finally third fully knit the wounds, allowing um, allowing scarring. But if dittany was applied quickly, it could prevent scarring. But the body parts had to be completely removed with sectum sempra and could not be restored uh, if using this spell if they had been uh, cut off. Um, exsanguation is death by loss of blood, if you were wondering what that is. Uh, Dittany 
So it's also, it's a burning bush. It's a magical plant used in potion making. Uh, it's powerful healing herb. It's uh, restorative. It's used to make fresh skin grow back over a wound uh, is where you would apply the application and it took several days to heal wounds. Um, one of the magical plants found in this is one of the magical plants actually found in 1000 magical herbs and fungi. Um, 1000 magical herbs and fungi. Uh, it was actually originally written by Fielda Spare in 1408 and it's in the Hogwarts Herbologist li Library section. It covers a variety of herbs and fungi. It can also be found at Flourish and Boss. Horus Slughorn, Aragog's arachnid venom from the dead body, if you were wondering where that was. But remember, he did mention it goes for so much in the wizarding world, like it goes for a very high amount. So arachnid venom in the wizarding world actually sells uh, for 100 gallons a pint. So that was pretty cool. Um, arachnid venom is actually used in armadillo bile mixture. Um, and arachnid venom is a is greenish black color and um, it appears as a corrosive substance uh, the lid if it was kept is in its potion uh, ingredient form would be kept closed at all times and would avoid have to have avoid skin at all cost because if there was any contact with skin the tissue would actually tear away and corrode away um, if there is contact with skin, it is said that you should wash the affected tissue with unicorn hair immediately, uh, which is the main com component of armadillo bile mixture, uh, which is armotinio. The known ingredients of that is bat wings, armadillo bile, wormwood, immortentia, acromantia venom, aconite, and water. Uh, the armadillo bile is a putrid scent, but green color. It's used as a potion ingredient, mainly used in armadillo bile mixture, and it's a sharpening potion. Um, wormwood is a bitter herb that's been used in potion making since ancient times. It's actually found in Canada and USA. Um, aconite that's found in that potion. It's uh, known as monk should or wolfsbane. Uh, which is found worldwide. It's green in color and sometimes purple. It's a plant. Uh, flowers on its stem are used in potion making, and it also has uh, magical properties. Um, Slughorn's drink, this is at 487. It actually required the refilling charm. So it says Slughorn, Slughorn's drink was running out fast, so Harry had not yet managed to bring out the refilling charm without saying the incantation aloud. And that's on page 487. The refilling charm, what that is, is the incantation is actually unknown, the exact incantation, but it's used to refill whatever the caster pointed at with the drink originally in the container, and it can be used with verbal or nonverbal uh, spells. Um, and here's another one. So this is on the bottom of page 487. So it says, and for a while after Hagrid and Slughorn were sitting side by side, arms around each other, singing a slow, sad song about a dying wizard called Odo. So I looked up what that was. All that's known is these couple of lines. Um, and Odo, there's not much known about him. Just Odo is a wizard male. 
um, who is a friend of Hagrid's that the song was written about. That's all that's known about him. The rest is actually unknown. It is thought, though, that Odo was the title, Odo the Hero, and it was influenced by Beowulf, which is in our folklore, actually, uh, in the real world. The lines are, And Odo the Hero, they bore him back home, to the place that he'd known as a lad. They laid him to rest with a hat inside out, and his wand snapped in two, which was sad. Uh, And that's about Odo the Hero, but that was when you remember when Harry went to with the Felix Felices uh, went over to try to get the memory from Slughorn and Aragog had just died. So Hagrid and Slughorn had a little too much to drink and they were singing that song about Odo. And you can look that up. That was actually on page 487 in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince if you want to look that up. Uh, Beowulf. So a little bit about Beowulf and our folklore just if you haven't uh read it before it is absolutely amazing uh, i actually have a minor in literature so i had to read this book and i wasn't sure like how good it was but it is really good you know there have been so many different renditions of film and uh different versions done over the years but beowulf just a little bit about it you can go read this on your own but it's an old english poem of germanic uh heroic legend so it was originally germ uh written in german um, it consists of 3,182 lines, most often translated in Old English literature, produced between 975 and 1,025 uh, lines. Um, in the 6th century, Beowulf, a hero uh, who is known for the Geats, uh, comes to aid Hrothgar, who is king of the Danes at the time, who is uh, the Mead Hall and Heroit has been under attack by Grendel, which, you know, Grendel is that monster thing. Um, I don't want to give it away, but he fights him. Pretty awesome. Beowulf fights Grendel and Grendel's mother. Then Beowulf goes home back to Gotteland, uh, which is modern Sweden is where that actually is. But uh, he becomes king of the Geats and fights a dragon. And then 50 years later, winds up finishing out his life. So I don't want to give the story away. No spoilers on that because it is really good. So you guys should check that out if you ever got any free time. Beowulf is awesome. Um, on page 517 at the bottom, so Hermione tells Harry, says that would be a complete waste of potion in regards for him taking more Felix and uh, she puts down her copy of Spellman Syllabary. And what that is, is that's a textbook used in ancient ruins class at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. It contained information on ruins and their meetings uh, that could be used to translate ruins in modern English. So that's what that is. It was written originally by Rosanna Amorim, but uh, there was another edition that was earlier by Spellman. So Rosanna Amorim was the author of Spellman's Sibillary, and Spellman was the author of presumably a possibly earlier edition that was written that Rosanna based the book off of. Uh, the edition, uh, all that's known about it is it was owned by Hermione Granger, and another edition was written by Rosanna Amorim. Quid Agus, uh, he said tentatively to the fat lady, wondering what he would find inside that's on page 533 for our next one so quid agus so that was that new gryffindor common room password uh but what that is is that's latin for how are you is what that is so like i said there wasn't a recipe for toffee eclairs so i saved this one for you guys (laughs) this is actually is 
a chocolate gotay cake is how they describe it, which is a cake full of eclairs. So instead of just giving you some eclairs, I got your whole cake on here. It's a pretty long recipe, so if you want to stop the video, keep pausing it. Um, you're more than welcome to do that, uh, but it's an awesome one. So I'll go ahead and give this one today before we wind up closing out here. But so, rich chocolate cake, uh, and it's baked and cooled and split into three layers. So uh, one recipe actually has the chocolate pasty, uh, pastry cream from chocolate eclairs prepared. Um, and it's, it's like all inside the cake is the way it is. But this is really cool. So you're going to need one cup of heavy cream, one-fourth cup confectioner's sugar. You can use really any kind of sugar. Uh, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, two ounces of bittersweet chocolate melted down, one half cup of chopped toasted nuts uh, for decoration. And so here's, it's two different parts here. So the directions for the chocolate whipping cream, we're going to do that first. So you're going to combine the heavy cream, sugar, and vanilla in a large mixing bowl from the whisk. And then one fourth of a cup needs whipped cream in there. And then you have to have uh, chocolate, so chocolate food coloring put in there to lighten it. Uh, and then you're going to wind up folding the rest of the whipped cream into the melted chocolate. Um, assemble the gato in place, uh, the cake layer on a board around a platter. Spread one half of the chocolate whipped cream over the cake layer. Then one half of the chocolate pastry cream over the whipped cream. Repeat this with another cake layer. Spread the glaze over the top layer and sprinkle the nuts to the top. The chocolate cake, um, what you're going to want to do here is it's going to actually come out the exact same on top as the way we saw the chocolate cake Hagrid gave Harry in Sorcerer's Stone. So you're going to have uh, this second part is you're going to have two cups of sugar, one and three-fourths cups of flour, three-fourth cups of cocoa powder, one-fourth teaspoon of baking soda, two eggs, one cup of milk, one-half cup of vegetable oil, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, one cup of boiling water. For the chocolate frosting, you're going to need three-fourths cups, so one and one-half sticks is what it is, of butter, uh, cooked at room temperature, one and one-half cups of cocoa powder, five and one-third cups of powdered mixture, sugar, five and one-third cups of powdered sugar, and two and one-third cups of milk, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, and then for the vanilla frosting, what you're going to need is you're going to need six teaspoons, three-fourths sticks of butter cooked to room temperature, four to five one-half cups of powdered sugar, one-third cups of milk, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, red food coloring, green food coloring. Uh, the cake, you're gonna wanna preheat over the oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. You're gonna mix the sugar, flour, cocoa powder, baking soda, baking powder, and salt. Stir in the eggs one at a time. Add the milk, vegetable oil, and vanilla extract and mix. Now add the boiling water in the mix. Spray two nine inch diameter baking pans with a nonstick spray. Pour your batter into two different pans, splitting it equally between them. Place pans in over and bake them 30 to 35 minutes or until a toothpick comes out clean. 
remove cakes from the oven and let the let them cool in the pan for 10 minutes then carefully transfer the cakes to a cooling rack to finish uh, cooling and then when the cakes totally cool you're ready to decorate them take a knife and slice them in half like a hamburger bun so you end up with flour and a circular cake layers for the chocolate frosting so mix the cocoa powder and the powdered sugar together in a bowl uh, cream and butter need to put in there until it turns fluffy mix in for one-third of the cocoa and sugar mixture add about one-third of the milk repeat this until the cocoa powder um, is thick sugar and milk are added to the mix mix in vanilla extract the frosting should be spreadable at this point if not then add in more milk or powdered sugar as needed then for the vanilla frosting so uh, cream the butter until it's fluffy mix one half of the powdered sugar add one half of milk repeat with the other one half of sugar and milk add in the vanilla extract the frosting should be spreadable at this point if not add in more milk or powdered sugar as needed now scoop out a portion of the frosting to separate in the bowl enough for frosting letters Add a few drops of red food coloring to the remainder of the frosting in the mix to get the frosting. In another bowl, add green food coloring to get green frosting. Then keep the bowl covered until ready to use. So now we're going to actually assemble this cake. So you're going to cover your work surface with a sheet of plaster grab just to make sure you don't get a mess anywhere. Uh, cut out the circle from a piece of cardboard and cover it with foil. Place it on your plastic wrap, followed by the first layer of your cake. Then you're going to make frosting on the cake and smooth it out. Place another cake layer on the first and dollop frosting on the, on the second. Then repeat this process with the third layer of cake. Place the final layer of cake on top. Press down on top of the cake to make sure it's firmly sandwiched. And then you're going to wipe off the crumbs and smooth over, continuously smooth over the icing. Um, and then it says, take the pink vanilla frosting and start your crumb coast by thinly coating the top of the cake. Continue the crumb coat on the sides of the cake, making sure to get it fully covered. Don't worry if it looks not very well at this point. You can carefully move the cake onto a plate if desired. Clean off your knife and apply a second layer of pink frosting and then put your green frosting in a bag, in a plastic bag, and cut a hole at the top. Uh, then you're going to write Happy Birthday Harry at the top so that way it'll look the exact same as the one Hagrid did in Sorcerer's Stone. The difference is because you couldn't get the recipe for toffee eclairs, uh, this is one where you actually have the eclairs on the inside of the cake. So you are going to get this massive cake. And the happy birthday should say H-A-P-P-E-E -E space B-I-R-T-H-D-A-E. The same way Hagrid actually spelled it because he can't spell in Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, tips for you, don't frost the cake while it's warm. Uh, use nuts for the topping. You can replace this if you don't want nuts. I'm actually allergic to nuts, so I can't use that part. Step three, uh, lift the happy birthday cake on top of the chocolate gâteau uh, and cover over the smaller one. 
and smooth that over with pink icing so you have this massive cake. Um, and that's going to make a happy birthday, H-A-P-P-Y space B-I-R-T-H-D-A-E, the same way Hagrid spelled it, uh, toffee eclair cake. So you just made a happy birthday toffee eclair cake. Well, guys, once again, thanks for all you do for us. Um, and just always following us. I know these episodes can get long. That's why we kind of have the interesting facts episode there as a break for you guys during the week. But you get to find out some cool information on the episode on Sunday. Sort of like the special features for you. Um, once again, guys, thanks for always following us like you do. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, you know, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Podbean, uh, anywhere, a cast, any of those, Google Play, any of that, YouTube. Um, hit the like and subscribe button. Cast a spell on that subscribe button, as I always say. Um, and, you know, you can follow us, like I said, on Instagram, rbrow129. You can follow Josh at his personal account. You can follow us at Official Ridiculous Patronus. You can follow us on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Send us an email if you want. We love the comments. We love conversation. That's what we're here for. With that being said, guys, uh, we are looking forward to Sunday. We're getting to the climax here of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Man, we got a big, awesome ride uh, left for you guys on this Hogwarts Express that is going off the rails. So with that being said, this is a ridiculous production. This is Chase from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. You're listening to Interesting Facts with Chase. Signing off.